Hey, Gauss guys and otherwise. Uh, actually, forget I said that. This is not the real intro. This is uh, an intro from Future John to explain what's going on with this episode. We have our very first two-part episode. This went on for so long, we ended up having a two-hour conversation about this issue. So I am cutting it up into two one-hour conversations. Uh, so it'll be a little awkward because we weren't planning on making it two episodes, but I got to put these out weekly now, so, and I don't have time to edit three audio tracks that are two hours in length. I just, I don't have it in me. So we're going to put out uh, part one, the first half this week, and then I'll come in at the end of this episode and give a little outro, uh, maybe a question of the week. I'll make it something real spicy because Noah can't stop me this week. But otherwise, here's the here's the first half of us talking about issue 40 with the wonderful Andrew Spawn. It's a good time. I had a blast. Check it out right now. Hey, gals, guys, and otherwise, this is Jonathan O'Rosalian. And I'm Noah, and you're listening to Horns and Wings. It's AK Polyphonic. We got to get that yeah, in there. Yeah, I, I don't want to be polyphonic today. I just want to oh, be Noah. okay. I like this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> horns of and Horns and Wings fame. AKA <laughs> <laughs> okay. the other one. Yeah, yeah. Start it start from the top. This is what we're sticking with. Uh, we're talking about issue number 40, which is, uh, of course, the issue with uh, Fade Away and Magic Mushrooms and castles made of clouds noah john who said comics aren't high art uh okay okay let's get into the issue uh what was that thing you said about starting from the top <laughs> Hey, guys, guys, no, we're in it, I'm That's Jonathan Rose Lion. <laughs> no, we're in it. We're in it. That's the thing. And guess what? Today, uh, someone else has to feel the shame of pre-edited horns and wings. John, you don't need to tell them that. They can see the featuring in the title. They they know that we've got a guest. Oh, okay. Well, let's just do the fucking <laughs> comic then. Hey, Andrew, who are you? Hey, hey Andrew. I'm Andrew. <laughs> I'm Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Um, I host Amusement Sparks, which is a theme park design podcast, and these two guys were just on oh, a little bit ago, and we did a Saga theme park. Um, Jonathan's been on, I think, three additional theme parks beyond that, so um, yeah, it's really good to be here. I absolutely love Saga. I love Horns and Wings. Thank you. It has, the podcast has reignited my love for the series. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm stoked to be here. The intro was really hard because like I'm used to being able to comfortably laugh when you guys are like goofing around, but I was like, I feel like I should like hold it in so that it's not weird, and then they have to edit me out. And we oh, we famously have a no laughing rule on this. We have a no laughing rule. None of them make it into the edit. Everyone online talks about how proud they are of us for never laughing. <laughs> And it's it's really it's a big triumph of ours. That's a good conceit for a podcast. Like, no if you laugh, allowed. you're kicked off the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't last a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're so happy to have you here. You're we. I cannot stress how much of a joy Amusement Sparks is. Uh, yeah, I feel like you really undersold it with just saying it's an amusement park design podcast. Tell tell the fine folks a little bit about what kind of yeah. No problem. What's it like? Yeah, what's what's so, the energy? Um, it is very uh conversational and we have like no budget and no timeline and none of the sad parts of reality that would uh bring the theme park design down. 
It's just, it's all yes and. <laughs> it's all, basically, what what would you want to walk into your your fandom? Like, what would you want that to look like and feel like? So, um, yeah, and it goes some fun places. Like, it has kind of, um, I don't know, it's a lot of goofing around. And so we do end up kind of accidentally designing some horrible things. Um, sometimes that's <laughs> pretty obvious by the title of the episode. Like, the most recent one was, um, uh, like, infomercial theme park and so it's just like we take these like kind of weird (laughs) concepts and are just like riffing on it for hour and a half or something and coming up with question though (laughs) is this like infomercials the concept or infomercials the adult swim show because either of those theme parks sound really (laughs) surreal and fantastic concept yeah yeah it's um yeah just those People selling you products directly, not seen in stores, as seen on TV type stuff. And it's basically like, you know, commercialism, uh, the podcast. So like the slap chop ride and stuff like that? Yeah. And like we had the the clapper, like the clap on, clap off type of light. Uh We had like a horror attraction that was like that where there's like, (laughs) oh my God, you can clap to turn the lights on to see where the bad guy is, but then he'll clap and turn the lights off again. And every time you turn the lights on, he's closer, that kind of stuff. So it's just like none of it's planned ahead. We're just like goofing and like going through it. And um that's that's gonna be a shame for listeners of this podcast because if you're listening to this podcast, you like clearly planned very serious oh, yeah. stuff with no goofing and, and so no laughing. It, it's either, a real yeah, yeah, no yeah a real change of pace from these vibes. Uh, no, yeah. If if people want to go listen to the episode we did, that was a blast. A good example yeah. that immediately uh, comes to mind is the fact that we spent uh what has to be a good 40 million dollars on a room that one person can go into at a time to put on a vr helmet to use to use the uh was it the, crash, the helm? crash helm yeah that was that would be such <laughs> to a cool get into VR a, attraction, a second though. room <laughs> oh yeah we I invented doors the line for this is eight days long i believe we also had a ride that involved setting people on fire i think we had several points oh, where people were getting set on fire it's not singular it's not singular that was plural for sure how many people were being set on fire it's very yeah on our trash island there's a lot of lore Mm-hmm. That yeah. was generated in yeah, this that's episode. True. The podcast yeah. does generate a lot of lore because it's a lot of like we walk into a blank canvas every episode and uh, yeah. just kind of go crazy. It's it's an all ages <laughs> show, but a lot of the ideas are very dangerous design concepts. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was that was especially fun because we did a we did a saga themed uh, theme park and we had to make it all ages. Right. Uh, so was... I don't think I even edited a ton out. Um, Maybe something with That's fart. I don't good. remember exactly. But, <laughs> good boy. But, uh, My good boy. Yeah. Sextillion, <laughs> I think we changed it to be like some, we had like a censored version of it. I kind of forget some of the details, but it was a ton of fun to record that. And uh, yeah, stoked to be here with you guys. I like your yeah. vibe. I like, uh, I like this podcast a lot, like I said. Thank you. And can you tell us a bit about your relationship with Saga? Like how, how'd you come to Saga? What do you like about Saga? How long have you been reading it? That sort of thing. That's a great question. Um, it, it was when the first trade first came out. So I don't know what year oh, that wow. was. It, you oh, know, wow, yeah. Long time ago. Maybe like, like late 2012, early 2013, something like that. Yeah, that would make sense because it was before I met my ex-wife. So it has been a long time. Uh, woo. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Around that time period, um, just the color scheme, honestly, it popped off the shelf like crazy. And um, I was super into the artwork. I've loved comics since I was a kid, since I was like six or whatever. 
Um, I started and ran the comic book club, which was called the Sequential Art Society, by the way, at Ball State oh, University. Wow, understanding comics <laughs> level. You. I love that. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I've been pretty hardcore into comics for a long time. Uh, and usually it's the art that, that pushes me away or, or like convinces me to stop reading a series. It's rarely the story. Like I generally love the story mm. and I just have like, I don't know, I'm picky in particular when it comes to aesthetics and Saga mm. has never let me down on that front nor the story front, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, I vibed with it really hard. I like, um, the tragedy and the joy of life. Like it, it, it Saga reflects a lot of the themes from music and, and movies and TV shows and stuff that I'm really into and distills it into like kind of just my favorite parts, which uh, is hard to do and unexpected and, and rare for this world for there to be something where I feel so like represented and connected with holy. So um, aside from the swears and the violence and the nudity, it's like my absolute favorite book of all time, which I say that because I'm like a jokingly like squeaky clean person, like my online persona or whatever. Um, but I do still say to anyone who will ask, Saga is my favorite book of all time. Uh, but which is weird because everything else I endorse or like recommend is like is totally PG, um, mm-hmm. like pretty like safe for work and like safe for a middle school kid to to get into. But uh, not Saga. I, I don't see what's wrong with a middle school kid reading Saga. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. Like you're I, I honestly agree with that. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I have complicated feelings about censorship and stuff. Uh, but yeah, Saga is fantastic, and I think everyone should read it. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth worth getting into. You just bring such a wholesome energy to every conversation, Andrew. It's delightful. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, thanks. I, uh, I appreciate that. So should we should we get into this issue then? Let's get let's talk about the cover of this issue, because I I. I, uh, I'm i literally hesitating to say I fucking love it because now Andrew's here. I feel like... <laughs> fudging I feel like oh heck, guys. Fudging heck, this is a I feel like I've been cleansed. It's like... <laughs> it literally feels like swearing in front of a priest or something oh now. Oh, my God. Like... <laughs> and, and I think I might even let Ooh. a few uh, foul words fly on this podcast. Oh, I even... my God. I know. This is, this I, is... I premeditated a little bit. Oh, like... my God. <laughs> I set my I adjusted my boundaries for myself a little bit, you know. I just love the idea of yeah. seeing, seeing your notes on this issue. It's just like fuck piss. Well, the the weird thing is my my copy um I I read this the first time I read Saga, um I read it backwards to forwards like word for word so I don't understand what's going on in the context and I just cross out any swears and then um I like censor bars over any <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was a good bit. That was a dumb joke. Oh my god. <laughs> like that concept. Uh, it's like the Christopher Walken taking out the punctuation approach. Honestly, at first I thought you were going like, to say you did that yeah. and like looked at the art and something I was gonna, I was going to be like Man, the sequential art society really operates on a higher level than the rest of us. <laughs> You're really on some next level shit. It's not about enjoying it or understand what the the artist wanted to express. It's about looking at what you are expecting to look at. It's about it objectively quantifying the metrics through which the comic is made. This is I feel like the thing that like every comic creator is just like 
convinced that there this person exists where it's like, <laughs> I need to I need to factor in some insane person reading or, this backwards and or, it still needs to work and yes. all yeah. the or some insane person in who reads through every issue summarizing each panel at a time to an audience <laughs> of fans <laughs> assuming everything has intention and Oh my God. Speaking of, what is the deeper meaning behind the uh, the cartoons on Prince? Yeah, Pro- yeah. Do you want to? We haven't even described the cover yet, Andrew. Do you want to have the honors of describing what we're seeing here? I sure do. Um, do we know the character facing away from the camera yet? Yes, yeah, we do. I, that is uh, Curti. Curti. Okay. Yeah. So Curti is sitting down, uh, looking at Prince Robot's face, which is projecting a cartoon. They're in a, a dark room where the only light source is the the television that's playing some kind of, like, fraggle rock-looking... Um, mm-hmm. It's a cartoon, though. It's not like a puppet. But that kind of art style, uh, mm-hmm. 70s-looking cartoon. And Prince Robot's sitting on the floor. They're both sitting on the floor, uh, kind of crisscross applesauce. And uh, mm-hmm. Prince Robot has his arms crossed. He looks kind of, like... I don't know, upset or bored. and uh, It's like a begrudgingly entertaining. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kid, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and again, we've got another one of these kind of like abstract voids that Fiona Staples loves mm-hmm, to do yeah. for the cover. The and cover it works void. really well. Um, it just yeah, the again, glow of the TV is beautiful. Like it, yeah. it looks very well observed, and and I love this vibe of just like watching TV in the dark. And it's a small TV mm. too. It's I, I don't know, I like it a lot. It it really does make you feel like you're like it 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 definitely gives me vibes of like being a kid watching cartoons with a babysitter except in this in this mm-hmm. instance the babysitter <laughs> is literally the tv yeah that was my experience that's an interesting <laughs> metaphor like if, if the tv had was sentient and was like yes you're watching this and i'm looking at you while you're watching it like yeah wow what an raised experience. by tv it, it is honestly honestly like you could you could totally like caption this and like deep fry it a little and put put it on like a mom's meme facebook page <laughs> it's like kids these days your corporations raising your child there you go yeah <laughs> uh no but you know what here's a here's something that occurred to me looking at this cover and it's something that i'm i'm uh i've already taken a stance on and it's is he making up this cartoon is this Ooh. is it like something that he watched before or is something that's been uploaded because my headcanon definitely is that this is he is creating these images yeah. on his face and and he's doing all the voices for the characters. judging judging by his body language he 100% is <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a puppet show but with his face and he has to he has to kind of animate everything himself and and do all the voices and everything what a concept and and that would be really impressive it's it kind of contrasts with what's on the first page as far as the uh the stresses that that it is going through prince robot at this point mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it, i was thinking it really is like a kind of thematic encapsulation of a lot of what we're gonna see in this issue i would i would love to see uh matt fractions uh hawkeye did an amazing issue where uh where it's he falls asleep during uh, a cartoon like Christmas special, and uh, and his dream kind of becomes a cartoon Christmas version of like the things he's going through. Wow! And so it's like a cartoon Christmas special version of of issue of the comic, 
and uh and they got like a different artist to do uh you know a very uh calvin and hobbes-esque type of uh, illustration for it and uh i would love to see either an issue of saga that is in that style because how fascinating would it be to see an episode of a cartoon with all the propaganda and everything in it in this universe uh and also i would love to see i feel like this is again we've stumbled upon one of the like three ways to adapt saga <laughs> just make it a just make it a children's cartoon is is there is wow. there does this fan art exist cuz if it doesn't it should of the will and lion cat drawn as calvin and hobbes Oh, that's gotta be a thing, right? That's gotta be yeah. a yeah. I just googled well, it. I found one. I found one okay. by I wanna I wanna credit this artist for by Megan Porch, a freelancer and his lying cat. You um, figured out what it took us forty issues to think of, so <laughs> you did it, Megan. Yeah. Alright, do we wanna get into this issue? Let's do it. Let's turn that page. Except I, I, I'm in the omnibus, so I don't turn the page. I see the same page, but yeah. Let's turn <laughs> that metaphorical page. All right. The metaphorical page has been turned. Um, okay, thank you. Wow. <laughs> thank you for giving us some time on that. that is, <laughs> it's a lot harder to do when it's in your mind. I think I'm keeping up with what with what's happening here. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> we will give you we will give you at least a well, that's our promise on the show. One, no laughing. Two, at least thirty second notice before we turn a page. <laughs> the sound effect is very long. Uh. <laughs> Turning the page. It is we're like the large print of podcasts. <laughs> We're very user-friendly. I saw a sign. I was at the library today. There was a poster. I, I love library posters for one, but this poster was pretty odd. It just had big text and said, everyone can read large print. <laughs> that was it. And I'm assuming they were designating, like, here's the large print section, but it was like, it's a very inclusive and kind of abstract idea. Oddly, you're the not most wrong. inclusive thing. Yeah, everyone can read large print. Man, <laughs> shout out to libraries. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, libraries rule. Yeah, and uh, my library has Saga, so that's pretty ooh. cool. They're like yeah. the Andrew of buildings. Yes, they are. <laughs> they very much are. <laughs> kind it's of oddly uh, accurate. Socially acceptable leftist. Uh, Pro education, uh, no swearing, affordable. <laughs> hey, there's lots of lots of swears in a library if you know where to look. Yeah, yeah, oh, no. There's... I'm intrigued now. <laughs> you go through the beaded <laughs> curtain section. There's... I, I started to think uh... this wasn't a library at all. <laughs> okay, no, please. <laughs> Weirdly, it was a library called Adult seconds. Fun Superstore. <laughs> The opening panel is a close-up of Squire, Prince Robot 4's son. We pull out to see that he's standing in the clouds near a heavenly kingdom, talking to his father, who is clad in full armor on a winged horse. And and I'm going to get Andrew to weigh in on the swinging horse thing later. You know my gripe with this. <laughs> um, okay. Squire is telling Prince Robot that he may be a good father, but he's a terrible man because he kills people. Robot says, how could you say that I'm a good father? All right. Now, I'm, I want to give lots of head up. 
We're going to mentally, metaphorically, actually literally for me this time, turn the page again. <laughs> so we turn the page. Squire <laughs> starts to dissipate and morph into Isabel. Robot says he's relieved to see her. He's worried that he had led her to her death. She says that he did, but that's not even the worst thing that he's done. Her face changes into a horned child with her horn cut off and bleeding. And then on the next page, that panel is sideways and we pull out and realize all of this is playing on Prince Robot's screen as he is sleeping. Hazel and Curdy are sitting cross-legged in front of him watching these dreams play out. And they're having a little conversation and Curdy says that once the new baby comes, Hazel's role is going to be taking care of the family. Hazel says that she doesn't want to share her family. She just got her family back. She doesn't want to have to share her mom and dad. And just then, Prince Robot groggily wakes up. The children scream and run off. And Robot tells them to... Says, I, I Actually, I'm just going to read this quote because it's so good. Uh -huh. You prepubescent perverts, I told you to quit watching me sleep. And then kind of like... <laughs> puts his hand in his palm and reaches for the chest of drawers beside his bed as we get some transitional hazel narration that reads if a chain is only as strong as its weakest link then a family is more like a rope we're lots of fragile little strands and we survive by becoming hopelessly intertwined with each other which is just beautiful i absolutely yeah, I love, love that, that. Kind of two scenes in one, as is with a lot of the dream sequences. That how many we got to do a tally of how many issues start with a dream sequence? Yeah, I, I, think, I think there might be like there might need to be a best dream sequence uh, category in the Lauper Awards oh this year. Gosh. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this is a very the, the dream sequences in Saga have a very specific kind of surreal flavor to them where. It's a lot of stuff changing into other stuff and a lot of excuses for Fiona Staples just to paint absolutely gorgeous landscapes. Oh my God. I mean, this is, yeah, these are, to talk about this landscape for a second, uh, this is very much those, uh, that one cover with uh, Goose and Frendo uh, where Goose is like, I think fishing. And it's like the water is reflecting the sky and it very much has those, again, short comic I did, uh, Specs is just straight up this color palette. And yeah, so like it's very cotton candy -y, and peaches like, and Yeah. It's that pink to purple gradient that is just, just, ugh. Vaporwave is very yeah. much, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, uh, Castle Made of Clouds. No, do you know what... Uh, song has castle made of clouds as uh, one of the opening lyrics is it castle made of clouds by yeah, the castles <laughs> yeah, yeah you got it so there's that reference out of the way uh, uh there's, there's a song called wonder boy by tenacious d starts uh, high above the monkey buck castle made of clouds uh, so I I'm glad I you know. I'm glad is, you know all the tenacious D deep cuts, John. You don't even. It's well. First of all, it's one of their biggest hits. But also, you don't even fucking know. No, like, I don't, <laughs> don't even <test> know. <laughs> that's that's once we run out of issues for this, it's just pure. By the way, D tenacious D. Up. If either of you happen to be listening to this, please come on the show. <laughs> 
Actually, I only want Kyle Gass on the show. Jack Black can sit this one out. He's uninvited. Give me the gas. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love I love this this setting. That castle is super cool. It it reminds me of uh, the Little Mermaid like VHS yes. box. That's my exactly my what I was first thinking. instinct was to look for the uh, the hidden penis. Right, yeah. exactly. Because That's what we're all doing all the time it's, anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, That's it's, what you're doing at that library all day. Whenever I step into a new room, that's what goes through my mind. It's it's almost got a, a some like uh, every room's an escape room for you, but it's behind the dick. <laughs> it's, then it's I can like, finally escape. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like if the Little Mermaid castle was Minas Tirith. That's that's Ooh. the look of this castle, I think. Into wow, it. it wasn't a nerdy enough. <laughs> okay, Mina, Lord of the Rings is mainstream, Noah. dude. Yeah, well, so is Jack Black, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's not invited. Um, All right, what's going right. on with yeah, the horse? True. It's got like yeah. a beak. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of got the, the some of the horses, some of the winged horses we've seen here from the horns do have like a a, a bit of a beak going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that that little like uh, on its uh, on its belly, it's got that like uh, transition from horse hair to feathers thing oh, going yeah. on. That's very yeah. cool. That's uh, cool. But yeah, so yeah, did you, you wanted to say something about this Pegasus? It's called a winged horse, John. Pegasus is a proper noun. Yes, um, exactly. Pegasus is one being, and this is not yes. Pegasus. Yes, I knew you would back me up now, on Now, here's this. the thing. I knew How do you, you know would this? have my back on now, this, hold Andrew. On. <laughs> okay, well, he'll get a chance to redeem himself once we talk about uh, the, the, <laughs> the telepathy. Telepath- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but how do we know that this specific horse is not Pegasus? It's a dream. How do we know this is not Pegasus? Because Pegasus doesn't have a beak, obviously, John. Well, it's called artistic liberty. <laughs> <laughs> if... If it was the Pegasus, we would not. We would still not call it a Pegasus. We would just call Ooh, it Pegasus. Yes. I call you a Noah constantly. <laughs> well, that's U H dot 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 Noah. Yeah. <laughs> I just I I'll text Ailey mid mid uh, recording a lot of the time and being be like he's being such a Noah right now. I mean, I am <laughs> such a Noah all the time. Um, that is but true. Yeah, yeah. Pegasus is a proper noun. Wow. <laughs> Really, 40, 40 issues on, and we're really finding a lot of this new is, stuff yeah. to talk about. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, can I can I point out that? So, do we think that like uh, that Isabel is just going to be the new uh, the stalk, where it's just even though she's dead, just going to keep finding reasons to to bring her back? Because this felt fre- this this felt like a fresh wound to me to. To mm-hmm. see Isabel again this soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also like to see to see Isabel with like the the mid transformation thing with the illusion transforming into Isabel. Like it's not fair to give that shred of hope, you know? Yeah, it's tricky. They're definitely pulling at the heartstrings. Um, but I'm glad to see her though. You know, it's uh, it's twist. It's it's tricky. It, it yeah, it's bittersweet. Exactly. It hurts, but you want more of it. So I, it's like I, life. I, it's like saga. I think a a little a little <laughs> detail in this that I like is if you continue watching the dream on his screen, it looks like this illusion squire Isabel girl like lunges at him, and you see Prince Robot in third person on his own screen, 
naked and kind of like cowering. Um, mm-hmm. It's it the whole the whole concept of um, like the dreams playing out on the robot screen is just incredible. Just so much, mm-hmm. so much room for that. Yeah, and then the child chokes out uh, chokes out Prince Robot in his dreams, and the screen shuts off when he wakes up. I love and that, that, and that's the fact that he's transitioning from a full suit of armor to suddenly naked. Yeah, is mm-hmm. is a very like we can get into some dream analysis with that. Absolutely, too. it's pretty yeah, pretty clear. Like yeah, the the struggle of Prince Robot, mm-hmm. which I love by the way, and I also love this just the kind of connection with the cover, like just a kid watching. TV in the dark. It, it reminds me of what I loved about infomercials. Actually, that infomercials theme park. We started talking about that. Like, it's so cool. Just like late at night, just like what's on TV kind of stuff. You kind of get exposed to things that aren't necessarily meant for you. But like, yeah, I'm I'm remembering yeah. back to like watching horror movies and stuff after my parents went to bed or sleeping over at a friend's house, watching stuff I wasn't supposed to be watching. But like, that's those are really like great memories and great moments. And it's cool to see that um, Hazel and. Curdy gets to kind of have these moments where they just watch Prince Robot for sleep and like they get to watch <laughs> yeah. his dreams. And there's like some kind of crazy stuff. And they're talking about like how it's not boring. Like they're always, it's always creepy, but it's never boring. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. I like that vibe. Like, yeah, that's, that's a I, part of life and like learning about the world. If you could watch someone else's dreams, like that's, it's pretty cool. I'd, I'd watch Prince Robot's dreams. Yeah, exactly. I don't have shame. <laughs> I do yeah I There's do really like that. like that's 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 something that this arc has been really great about so far is because I think ironically as adults we tend to shield ourselves from the idea of just what children are exposed to constantly yeah. I can't even imagine now with the internet like mm-hmm. because for us it really was that like oh I stayed up till one thirty, and on Comedy Central at one thirty, we're gonna get the you know uh, incredibly censored like Girls Gone Wild <laughs> infomercial or something. Oh yeah, and uh, and and you know, and there's a lot of stuff in this of just like you know from her blowing up bugs or like her first kiss and stuff but just these oh and then like you know i'm gonna war crime i'm gonna war crime you in the face <laughs> from last issue yeah uh where it's it, it is really showing us like you know kids are kids are also just constantly bombarded with a lot of the stuff that us as adults are uh and to an extent they probably even seek it out <laughs> Yeah, and so I like I like the idea that like I mean that's just that's interesting to see uh, represented in a comic because I, I feel like you know uh, it's probably media that gives us this perception that you know kids are clueless and they are uh, they are only subjected to you know things appropriate for them and but that's such a significant thing in everyone's life are, are the things that we are exposed to but we have no sort of explanation for because because we are consider you know because we shouldn't even be seeing them in the first place a, a uh, lot of and my so i like that that's a lot of my favorite that. favorite media is like things for or about kids that are not afraid of darkness like neil gaiman stories a yeah, ton of them yeah. the ocean at the end of the lane is my favorite book ever and it's about that over the garden wall there's a yep. lot of that mm-hmm. in adventure time too like it is mm-hmm. i really love stuff that shows like you're saying that kids kids live in the same world as us and that is a 
terrifying world to live in. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know that it's so scary though. Like they're they're yeah. naive and they're just excited and it's like it's expanding their horizons. And like the idea of a prepubescent pervert in a way is just like a curious kid, you know? It's yeah. it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And it's a good yeah, argument yeah. like against censorship, I think, is like if everything's censored and like and the playgrounds are so safe, then kids aren't going to learn how to like be careful. Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. The, the, this yeah. whole arc, this whole arc so far has a lot of just like kid shit, you know, just like Hazel and Curdy is just, it just reminds me of like being a kid with my neighbors and just like, you know, running around mm-hmm. and the adults were all hanging out or whatever. And you'd kind of be off doing your own little thing in the basement the with the kids. The adults are all at their like, libraries. Yeah. God knows what. <laughs> and and you just kind of like run around and find ways to make mischief. And every now and then an adult would yell at you, you know? It's kind of... They, yeah, I mean, oh my God. They capture that energy so well. Especially with her in that uh, prepubescent pervert uh, panel. Yeah. Uh, Hazel running away with just a like a, an excited sort of Laughter, grin on her almost, face. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they go from screaming to giggling, running away. Well, yeah, honestly, like this, I can. It, it's it's really impressive that like like in that panel, like I can hear the giggling, and there's no there's no lettering or anything like that. You just you can you know exactly what it is to like that when kids run away laughing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I I like the whole they've been bringing up. I mean. Hazel, I think, and especially uh, there's a moment in the next issue that I won't spoil where she really starts to feel like uh, uh, a very active protagonist in this story. And I think that's been a big thing in this arc. We got it. We got a lot of it in the last arc with her, like, you know, seeing things from her perspective in the prison and everything. Uh, But this one where she's actually interacting with other main characters and stuff has been really interesting. But I I like the... uh, then bring up the issue of her getting upset that, you know, uh, she's going to have to be the babysitter now and take care of uh, her younger sibling. Uh, it actually reminded me of, uh, I've been told many times that when I was born, I was born uh, 12 pounds at birth, uh, like 20, 25 and a half inches <laughs> I long feel or bad something. for your mother. I, I was a I was I don't know how many weeks late, but I was a massive massive kid, and I have remained a massive kid, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I <laughs> I've been told multiple times about how when I was born and my sister first saw me, she started crying because she's like, "You said I was gonna get a baby brother," <laughs> like she I was too big to hold because she's like two or like yeah I think two and a half years older than me. <laughs> And so she was just devastated that I was born because I was like, you know, two thirds her size already. You already had the mustache. Uh, yeah, it's pretty intimidating. You know, the full mustache and beard. And uh, <laughs> uh, I came out mustache first. Came out uh, not making videos. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he still procrastinates, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Several weeks later, fair, being I, was, I was a good four months into my Hamilton video when I came out, so I made good time on that one. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, this immediately reminded me of that, of just this, like, you know, just the feeling of it's not fair 
uh, yeah, just the existence of your of your siblings. Yeah, I'm I'm a youngest sibling, so I'm just the I I don't understand that resentment, but I understand how it manifests in the torturing of younger <laughs> siblings. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is do, this is a great yeah. scene. Do we want to move on to the next scene? Any last stray observations? I like the this room that there's like grass on the floor and then a ladder going down yeah. out of it. It yeah. feels like a treehouse or something. Yeah, I I think I have two different comments on the grass the grass floors later on in this issue that Perfect. we'll definitely get into. Uh, oh, and then it, we should probably point out that it ends with uh, Prince Robot uh, uh, kind of looking upset uh, after they've run away and then looking at his uh, nightstand and opening yeah. a drawer and we don't I know what he's doing. I already said that, John. Look, Noah, if you think for a goddamn second that I listen to <laughs> anything you say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're on to scene two. So, the HTN continues its family rope uh, simile? simile. I think it might be a simile. It could be a simile. Because it's similar. Take, yep, take a look. It's, it's more simile. like. Yeah, it is a simile. Yep. Cool. Mm -hmm. I nailed it. The HTN continues its family rope simile. With uh, the happiest families I ever met were all frayed, but they were also tighter than a hangman's noose. A horned officer orders her infantry to retreat as, like, sort of conch shell spaceships. Have we seen these before? I, I actually, I will actually say, John, I think it's an analogy, mm -hmm. not a simile. Uh, I'm, I'm sticking to my simile here. My, if I may weigh in, I think simile uses like or as to compare two things. And uh, it says more like a rope. But I think, but an, an analogy is not bound by the like or as okay, rules. An on. analogy is... Pause the music. An analogy Here's the thing. is compa comparing two things to make <laughs> an extended point, and that's what this mm. is doing. But here's Where, the thing. This is going to be a real I think we can all meet episode, in the middle and guys. say it's... <laughs> we can meet in the middle and say it's telepathy. Yes. So, Beautiful. a horned officer orders her infantry to retreat as... Con <laughs> You're a horned officer, John. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Shell ships... <laughs> Lie away from from Fang in the distance. Marco watches the scene through binoculars as Jabara arrives. Marco's confused by Reed's retreat since they outnumbered the Landfallians ten to one. Jabara says it's all the more reason to be prepared as he tries to give him the gold batwing crossguard sword to match his shield. He turns it down, saying, "When Hazel was kidnapped, I viewed weapons as a necessary evil. I'm now beginning to remember that they're simply the latter." Jabara begins to contradict him, saying a weapon is only as good or evil as its wielder. He mustn't be scared, too. And then she's suddenly cut off by a terrifying Marco, turning and screaming at her, I'm not fucking scared. We get that red background again of rage Marco. An awkward silence before he apologizes to her. It's hard for him to be back on Fang, since it's where he first killed someone in battle. He looks ashamed as he talks about how exhilarating it was to wield a weapon, sometimes even more exhilarating than holding his daughter for the first time. Our view of Marco becomes vignetted as we watch him through a telescope. On the other side of the telescope, we see the march. The feminine head asks the masculine head what they see. The masculine head responds, financial independence. And we end the scene there. It's a great line. It's yeah. Great. I... Return of the Marco Rage. We haven't seen a Marco yeah. Rad panel in a while. 
That's the pro. I think this is the first time since uh getting uh or nearly getting uh Hazel back on the ice planet, probably or close uh, to that. We saw it. We saw it in his flashbacks when he was overdosing on Fadeaway. Yeah, and that was leading into yeah, yeah that whole situation. Uh, so yeah, and that was in response to uh to Jabara saying, you know, it, it's it's only as good or evil as the person who wields it. And I think that kind of struck a nerve with Marco of he, you know, so even if it's subconsciously, uh, I think his, you know, it, it's kind of hinting at that the fear is that he thinks he is evil. Yeah. Uh, and yet it's easier for him to place that on the weapon. I, I uh, love, which is I love the panel. really interesting after the rage where it's just Marco and mm-hmm. Jabara just kind of like sharing a look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we've seen this look on his face before of like just frustration with himself and like sadness for what he just did to someone. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's got, he, he has so much like remorse uh, when he has those outbursts. Yeah. It's, it's so, I, I like seeing it's, it's interesting seeing like we're really deep in now Marco's character kind of like ebb back and forth between uh it's almost like it's almost like it's almost like violence is a drug to him right like it's almost like he's relapsing into violence Mm -hmm. and then you know he's away from it and he's away from it and he's doing better and like he's doing well and then the the tug of violence like pulls to him and he loses control again and then looks very like like you said like very like disappointed in himself it's it's almost like that it's it's like a mindfulness thing where he's he still has those immediate reactions but uh but he's able to reflect on it very quickly and and pull yeah. himself out of it at this point which you know i think is a much more realistic portrayal of you know anything emotional that someone's dealing with rather than it just never happens again but just being able to feel that you know being able to apologize for it immediately yeah or feel right bad about it immediately and recognize and that jabara that. kind of has compassion for him right away too mm-hmm. you know yeah. she seems scared in the moment with the red red panel but then immediately afterwards she just kind of looks like sad or or she's trying to understand him and then yeah she pretty immediately is like i, I understand you yeah I, yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, I think her saying, ah, I see how hard it would be to take up arms again. It's it's not like it, it seems like she's she's not like changing her opinion on what she's saying about weapons and violence at mm-hmm. all. Right. Like she's just understanding that this is difficult for Marco. Like it's it's not like it's not like Marco's like, you know, swaying her at all with his arguments. Yeah. And then his next line, I think, is one of the most powerful parts of this whole uh, this issue is, you know, she said, I see how hard it would be to take up arms again. He said, that's the thing. It wasn't hard at all. Holding that sword was never anything less than exhilarating. I felt as alive as I did holding my daughter for the first time. So it's um, like, that's that's honestly, pretty hardcore stuff. That that yeah. line, that line's kind of the whole of Saga summed up in one line, right? Like the yeah. the yeah. holding a sword uh, felt as exhilarating as holding his daughter. Like that is that like violence and parenthood and like that. That's all mm-hmm. of the kind of questions hanging over this entire series tied up together in one little phrase. 
yeah, it's like a, a brutal confession. Yeah. That you wouldn't normally say, like in polite company or whatever. If you weren't like having a really bad day, you would never say that. But it's saga so honest and so vulnerable and so like sharp sometimes. It's it's really fascinating. Yeah, and 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 that and again, yeah, that really lends itself to that sort of uh, uh, addiction uh, perspective on on Marco, uh, seeing it through that lens, uh, where, yeah, it's just you know, he he has those he has those weak points, but you just see so much more clarity now. Uh, but even then, yeah, it's it's this interesting. I think that the the thing that's interesting about this is, you know, the fact that she's contradicting him on that, and uh, yeah, because it is, you know, he, he does have a kind of like, and I and again, it's that thing of Saga constantly uh, challenging its own, like, you know, morals and its own the own like the things it's trying to say it is constantly bringing up every sort of it's like having this conversation with itself where it's like, okay, you know, the opposite of war is fucking and stuff like that. And it'll say these, you know, these really profound things and then it'll bring up, it'll specifically challenge itself in that assumption or in that, that, you know, whatever it posits. And, uh, and, I think this is a really, really good one where this whole time, especially with Marco, it's just been this thing of, uh, you know, weapons are bad. Weapons are really bad. The, there's no point to wield a weapon ever, never, ever pick up a weapon. Yeah. And, uh, and that's very much the position he's taken and her kind of pushing back against this. And this, you know, I think that's one of the things that keeps such a long series so fresh is that it really, really wants to explore the full extent of like the ramifications of what it's talking about and not just make these very easy, seemingly profound statements, uh, but really, really challenging them. Yeah, it makes it makes these statements and then puts these characters into situations where like that that push on every single instinct the characters have, right? Like push against everything mm-hmm. the character is about. Uh, by putting them into desperate situations. Yeah, and I, I like that nuance too. That that he's a pacifist, and why is he a pacifist? And like he's so staunch about it. And it's like, oh, because yeah. he can't really trust himself around violence. Like he'll lose yeah. himself in a way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I and I really like. I think that's just a brilliant writing approach to doing uh, doing anything long form, where it's this idea of instead of I think a lot of things, especially when it comes to movie sequels, and there's that great uh, Patrick Willems video about uh, why the third movie usually yeah, sucks yeah. in a trilogy, uh, and uh, and the idea of like why Lord of the Rings gets away with it is because it was one book looking at with one arc throughout it, and they just kind of arbitrarily cut it up into three things, uh, where it's it's such a smart way to uh, to just dissect a theme where it's not, I think for a lot of people it is, you know, we, we have the theme and then we resolve it by the end of, you know, the first trade or the first movie or whatever. And then we find a new theme to talk about uh, and then we resolve that. 
and it and when you build your characters around these themes they start to feel useless and yeah. it starts to feel kind of tacked on and the fact that this this whole series the approach has consistently been here is here are the themes and they're very specific things about you know family and war and pass uh you know pacifism and stuff like that uh and we are going to stick with these themes and we will just endlessly challenge these in different crazier and crazier ways uh and that being their way to keep things fresh uh is is just yeah i i feel like this this book could you know definitely go on for a very long time i think there's 108 episodes even (laughs) i think i think there's some really cool like metatextual stuff going on in the scene too where it opens on this shot of violence that looks fucking rad as hell, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. you've got, like, the, like, aged horned wizard, like, you know, calling to fall back. You've got the, the like, metal suit soul people who I always I always find their character design really cool and have yeah. incredible lettering. That was the yeah. original one we yeah. met. Yeah. Yeah. And, like... You've got these these conch shell ships, which just happen to be in the background and are absolutely gorgeous. You know, like you've got it, it opens with the scene of such action. And as a reader, I don't know about y'all, but I was just like, I was like, this is rad as hell when you first start reading it. And then mm-hmm. Marco is observing it and they get into this discussion on violence. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, is that is it rad as hell? <laughs> And I, I really wanna I really want to at least save part of that conversation. Next issue, uh there is it, it just it pretty much straight up comments on that. Yeah. Next issue on fictional violence versus real violence. And yeah. uh and so we'll have we'll have a lot more to talk about on uh on that uh subject next issue because there's there's the perfect opportunity for it. Uh but I do want to point out it's really interesting that uh, that uh, suit of armor with all the souls inside it. This is our first, I think, our first confirmation that they are on the horned side. Yeah, and that that immediately put in this idea into my head of like, you know, because it, it was already uh, with our introduction to Surge uh, with the uh, was it last revolution? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, they were already presented as a sort of tragic character of all these souls forced inside this thing and trapped inside of this thing. Uh, And I think that sometimes uh, just because of some of the perspectives we have and stuff, uh, Wreath can be portrayed as the lesser of the two evils. And, uh, you know, just because it's almost that like, you know, stereotypical Pocahontas or Avatar. Yeah. Noble Savage. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh and uh and so i really like that that is that is they are a product of the uh the wreath uh yeah military is that they've you know assuming they've used magic to kind of force these souls into this contraption to force them to fight is really i mean you you look at you look at that even too in the modeling and i think like a lot of the a lot of the wings kind of look is a lot more like you know like 
um, American military kind of, or like, you know, like sci-fi stuff like that. And and it's like, but then you think and you're like, well, a lot of, I would say a lot of the look from Wreath comes from like Imperial Japan. And if you know a lot about Imperial Japan, yeah, yeah, Yeah. not, 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 not the good guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it is interesting. This piece right here kind of looks like something like a medieval samurai uh, tiki Kool-Aid man to me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a fascinating character. Yeah, that's design. that's true. It is very Samurai Samurai Kool-Aid Man. That, that can be the title of the episode name. I like that. There we go. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly yeah, no, what he is. Have we have we seen these conch shell uh ships? I don't think we have. I love that they're absolutely gorgeous. We have never seen them before, and they're just in the background. Yeah, they're tiny right. little, like, silhouetted background things in that I now have such a vivid, like, just yeah. picture of them in my mind. And, absolutely. And that's, again, that's another thing that's really interesting about this shot is that we're getting more of an idea of the military power of the of the horned military. I also think this is a really interesting uh, placement of the transitional Hazel narration. Um, because like the, the Mm -hmm. happiest families I met were all frayed, but they were also tighter than a hangman's noose. It's, it's really interesting having that over what looks like, like, you know, I, I don't know army terms, but like a battalion or a squadron or something, you know, like, like over some, some organization of military soldiers. Uh, and, Mm -hmm. and it, it is interesting though, you know, frayed families the families that are tighter than a hangman's news like that is very much the literally like you know the band of brothers thing right like the mm. the fellow soldiers yeah. as family metaphor uh do we want to take a take a crack at what we think the blue language yeah yeah i want andrew to i want andrew to commander. take a crack at that <laughs> um i assume that the leader woman is saying retreat you nailed um, that one Something about dying is probably in the middle panel there. Oh yeah, because we have Niaj Sortage and yeah. Mortu Tai. I I think it's like um like no more of us need to die or something like that. Very close. Yeah, it's our destinies should not die here. Ah, which is cool. pretty rad. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, I just I really like this. Is something I just noticed. I like I like that we get the transition twice here between like binoc- binoculars and a telescope mm-hmm. that we keep almost <laughs> that logistically yeah. you know oh, yeah. we are we are zoomed in in so many different it's, ways here It's like that meme of the person in the church with the gun and then the person up with the gun you know No not a clue but I, I don't know this meme it. <laughs> Uh it's from a movie the Canadian L- the the assassination chain meme, apparently. Um, okay. I, uh, okay. Uh, here, I'll, uh, I, I'll I'll post it. I'll, I'll give oh, you. you. I'll, I'll give y'all a link. Um, to here, we're putting it in hangout stuff. <laughs> this meme. Oh wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that that fits here. Yeah, that's how memes work. When everyone understands the reference, and we're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now we're on the same page. And yes, that was an ap- appropriate <laughs> reference. All right. Um, uh, look up, look it up. <laughs> anyway, yes. I just I just noticed yeah, that we'll uh, fix it in post. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Haley. Did you Haley. notice that one of the other people 
in this like uh this band of brothers have you seen who that that fourth soldier is his uh kind oh of the body snake type? person oh yeah uh-huh. yeah I, my brain was kind of just seeing it as like a continuation of the the person behind them like some armor yeah yeah, I yeah didn't I make out that, that, yeah. that was a that was a snake person too which I think mm-hmm. we've seen once before because they also kind of cast magic yeah, through words. So I think there's we've we got that. We've seen them a couple times because we've seen them in a couple battle scenes with the. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm re- talking about with them fighting. Yeah, specifically. Yeah, with them. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then we've seen the leader of the Last Revolution, Quain. Right. I don't Quain. Fucking remember. Yeah. Yeah. Randy Quain. I, yeah, that I love that that uh, species or race or whatever. Yeah. It's very cool. They're like mm-hmm. super Naga. cool design. Yeah. 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 Was there anything else? Oh, one more thing. Actually, I did not confirm that, so I. It, well, you I better say it, it now. You can take <laughs> okay. it out. But... Well, there's. I did a very uh, preliminary googling of Fang, P H A N G, and one of them, and I think it's for like a Scrabble dictionary site or something, uh, had it listed as. Uh, as an alternative to F-A-N-G, but specifically the meaning of uh, to seize something. It was apparently a, a meaning of the word fang, uh-huh. is to seize something. Uh, so whether or not that is actually true, it is valid in Scrabble. And that's what really matters on Horns and Wings. Uh, <laughs> yep. Apparently, um, this is also a Google... Um, apparently it means... Uh, Having the power and authority to use something in Vietnamese. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That's the other one I saw. Which uh, makes which a lot of that sense. One is, yeah. It, is that mm. one? Uh, would that? I wonder if that one's pronounced Fong. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think Vietnam does. I think Vietnamese does have the hard A sound, but I'm not sure. I, I think will. I think this is one just like. Alana being confirmed as the pronunciation by yeah. uh, Brian K. Vaughn. I think this is one that will need clarification when he, when someone Inevitably. that knows him will be on the show. He's not invited on the show. Him and Jack Black are the only two people blacklisted <laughs> from Horns and Wings. Yeah, but, we, uh, we but said if someone one, can ask him, we 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 said a bad thing about him once and decided we can't have him on. We said he was being a little a little overindulgent. Once, <laughs> so when he was waxing poetic about how important authors were. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, yeah, we got it. We got a lot yeah. of good stuff from that, and we're on scene two, and we're yeah, like, tight, right, so let's, tight let's... forty minutes, tight forty <laughs> minutes. All right, oh, uh, forty you're minutes in, starting ready? now. You're in, kid. You're, all right, you're, so... you're going in. Show us what you got. <laughs> and I will stop it there. This is future John again. Uh, and yeah, you just listened to the first half. That was just the first half, and we got into so much. How fascinating it was! Uh, of course, let's let's throw in some uh, favorite favorite moments. I'm gonna say favorite for, uh, moment from that episode was the part where Noah brought up Pegasuses again, because that just it's really one of those conversations that really like a fine wine makes me more exhausted the more I have of it. Uh, and I'm going to say song of the week. Uh, there's got to be a song called Pegasus, right? Look up Pegasus on Spotify and whatever the first thing for that is, unless it's incredibly offensive. Uh, and then, yeah, question of the week. Noah's not here to stop me, so I'm just going to say, what, hey, what's your favorite thing about John? 
say your favorite thing about John. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much to Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples, Image Comics, and Phonographics, of course, for a really, really good comic that we can spend two hours talking about one issue. That's how good it is. Uh, and, of course, as always, I'll do my best no impersonation for this one. Am I shitting? <laughs> There's only one Pegasus. Bye. Thanks, Noah. Bye.